0: Welcome to the Balanced Fit and Free Podcast. I'm Rayanne Mullins, your host, and you are in the right place if you are ready to learn how to live a life of balance through healthy daily actions and a positive mindset. As a Hashimoto's hypothyroid warrior, I will be sharing with you tried and true methods of keeping a balanced lifestyle to ward off inflammation, aching joints, brain fog, and weight gain my very open and honest approach will have you leaning in to learn more. Enjoy the show. Well, well, I'm super excited that we get to talk. Um, So we we knew each other. Middle school was our big time. I have a couple funny memories that are super vivid in my mind, but... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I this. We've me been too. on trips, we had riding in backs of trucks that we, I think it was your dad's truck we stole with some boys and we, I don't know, we, there was all kinds of things that we we got into, but it was, it was fun times. So super happy to reconnect. And I think it's really funny as adults, how many things we have in common and just didn't even, didn't even know. So it's so super excited to get to talk to you.
1: I know me too. I have definitely great, great memories from, from younger times. <laughs>
0: Yeah. I'm glad Uh, we had some fun, some fun, fun stuff. I don't even know what happened. Like, it's so funny. Like when you look back in the day, like, I don't know when I don't even know why or when I guess just evolution of friends and I don't know, but anyway, it was a good time. So, well, so Maria, you have written an awesome book. So I definitely wanted to talk about this a little bit more. It's called they might be toxic. And I understand you do have another book out, but I have not read that yet. So I'm very excited to talk about that too. But I wanted to talk to Maria today because her her story, and I'm going to let her talk about it. But her story that triggered this book, or one of the things that triggered the book, um, I think is very a lot more common than people know. And I spend a lot of time talking about how our whole life cycles together, how one part of our life affects the other part, and relationships and our social support is a huge part of having a healthy lifestyle or not. And so I don't know, I really just want you to maybe tell us, Maria, a little bit about the book, why you wrote it, and um, anything else you want to share about it. But then I have... Marked all kinds of pages in the book of things to, uh, that I want to at least mention
1: and have like ask you about if that's okay. Yeah, definitely. No, I totally, that big smile was for all the post-it notes. Cause that just, it makes me happy because the book is so condensed and I know it seems like, you know, it's short, right? Like it could be somebody's research paper, but the fact that you got that much out of it, it means the world to me, literally. I mean, so part of the reason that I wrote the book and part of the way that it was born is I have a, a girlfriend. Um, she's my podcast host on They Might Be Toxic. Um, she's my co-host. We worked together about a decade ago, and she was married to a doctor. And of course, you know, when someone's married to a doctor, you're never going to assume that they have any kind of, you know, the, you know Disney, you know, Disney script rom-com, right? Like, that's what every woman wants. And I never would have thought that there was anything wrong with her marriage. And at that time, she just had remembered me mentioning um, that I had been divorced. And I think at that time, you know, probably nine to ten years. It's so funny because my divorce happened in two thousand, and so it lines up with the years. It's very easy to keep track of. So yeah. twenty three years this year. <laughs> yeah. So anyhow, she. Um, I've done some graphic design um, for her in the past. And she, her career has definitely changed. She became, um, she did a little bit of acting. She was on uh, The Walking Dead and did some Amazon commercials. And just like, I had really had no idea what she was up to. I knew she was doing permanent makeup. And she uh, messaged me and she said, I need to work on a project with you. Let's hop on the phone. And so I had no idea like which of her businesses this was going to fall into. And the first thing she tells me that she'd been through a divorce and had no idea that she had been in a very abusive marriage. And of course that was like, you know, I had no clue. I mean, her husband used to be my chiropractor. Wow. Like I literally had no clue. And so she, she described the project that she wanted to work on me or work the, she described the project that she wanted me to work on for her. And, um, I told her, you know, just let me know when you're ready and you know, we'll do it. So a couple days later, I wake up at two in the morning with the idea. Oh my god. I need to write about narcissism and codependency without using those words because nobody wants to be called a narcissist, nobody wants to be called a codependency or a codependent. Nobody wants to be a codependent, right? right. Like all and all of those labels they don't necessarily sound like what they are. And I remember when I was in my marriage, um I met I had this boss and she was divorced and there, it was her and one other person that was going through a difficult marriage who described to me what they were going through. And I was like, why does this sound so familiar? You know, like my husband hadn't hit me. He actually, he, I take that back. He hit me with the lamp the week before I met him, but it wasn't like he, you know, hit me with the lamp. He like threw the lamp across the room and it hit me. And it was the first time anything got physical. And I was like, okay, there it is. I know it's going to escalate from here. We need to start planning. And so I know our lease was up and and literally I just I remembered the feeling of being trapped with him, not really understanding what I was going through, using all of the language that my parents had used in their marriage of you just need to work on it, you need to stick together, you know, it's really hard for the first couple years. I think all of those things are true. Right. But I think that there's a really big difference between someone who you can have a disagreement with and you grow afterwards and you communicate during the disagreement and someone who's willing to hear you versus someone who's just telling you what an idiot you are and doesn't even want to take part in the conversation and literally doesn't care that you're hurting.
0: Right. There is a big difference because you're right. I think everybody, like the first couple of years of growing together is tough. You know, like I'm, I've been married, I'll be 24 years in April. And congratulations. Thank you. And and fortunately, like it is a very healthy relationship. So that's great. But um, but in the first few years, it was tough. So I can see why early on you probably were like, oh, this is just the way it goes. Like I can yes, see this like normal. how we, yeah.
1: Like, oh, this is what you hear. And yeah,
0: I can see that for sure.
1: Yeah. And there was no growth. So literally when I hit the five year mark, I was like, I don't think I really want to look back at 10 years and go, dang, I wasted a whole 10 years. Right. So I right. just went and it was a kind of ironic that it was on the, it, our first date was on the 4th of July. I left him on the 4th of July just because it happened to be a long weekend and our lease was up and it was very, you know to the day, right? Like the day we for, you know, first date to the day I moved my things out of the house. Yeah, it just it kind of happened funny that way. But yeah, really I wanted to give people a guide where they yeah. could literally read something in under an hour. Um the longest part of my book is like if you do the audible, it's a full hour cuz the guy reads a little bit slower. But if you read it in person, I think you said it took 30 minutes. I can read it in 30 minutes if I read it myself and of course I read it a little bit faster because I wrote it. But literally I wanted to you know, there are some things that are really obvious that are abusive, like being hit. Right. I didn't cover those in the book. Yeah. What I covered were all of the subtle things that build up to that. Because what I hear from people who go through these situations is that it does start out really subtle. It starts out really slowly and it escalates. And what what I didn't mention, and I know obviously this is the meat of the story, especially for your podcast. When I was married to this person, so we got married, I was 19 and I left when I was 24. By the first year, by the time I was, let's just say, if I'm, I mean, I wasn't weighing myself consistently, but I was consistently gaining weight. By the time I was 21, I'd gained a hundred pounds, a hundred. I mean, that's enormous. Like I had to shop at the fat store. There was a lot of shame. I was very embarrassed. And then all of a sudden I I got this new job where I was working with people who were encouraging me and they were all into diet and exercise and nobody was mean or anything. I was just around people who were doing it and it made me curious. And I think I read a book and I was like, okay, I'm just going to try this. I'm going to get a gym membership. I'll go before work and just try and see if anything happens. And of course, the moment I started losing weight, You're just losing weight so you can leave me. Right. Not because you want to be healthy, not because you want to feel good. Right. And
0: was there any compliments at all about it or was it just, all? it was all like making fun of you? It was
1: all blaming. Yeah. It was just Mm -hmm. blaming and, you know, always knew that you were going to get really hot when you got older. And you always knew that, you know, you're, you're just trying to look hot so you can leave. I mean, it was literally like, it's not like I looked any different from when I met, you know what I mean? Like I'm looking at you, like we look exactly the same as we did 20 years ago. Right. Like, I mean, you look great. You look very healthy. Like we look pretty similar to what we looked like back then, yeah. and yeah. so it's so funny because when I I got into a really healthy relationship after him, and I technically lost ninety five pounds, um, and the man that I was with after him, he was like, you know, I would love it if you just said I lost a hundred pounds. He's like, you're allowed to say that you lost a hundred pounds, even You'll if it's not He's like, you lost a full human being. He's like, you yeah. yeah, stop saying ninety five. He's like, just call it a hundred because you did the work and that's what it is. And I'm like. That's how someone should speak to you when you did the work, right? Like he was I happy. Agree. He was, he was never healthy. ashamed. He was never embarrassed that I used to be, you know, whatever. He was just right. happy that I was taking care of myself.
0: Yeah, I love that. So I would like to kind of jump into that topic a little bit more. Um, we had kind of talked a little bit about this, but, you know, one thing that I've been trying to express to people is, like I just said, all of the parts of our life matter, And even though I'm trying, I don't really help people as much anymore with weight loss um, because I'm now working more with people with autoimmune and helping with symptoms that way. Most people want to lose weight, you know, that come to me initially. And so I've been trying to express to people that, you know, it's not just about what you eat. It's not just about the exercise exercise. There's so much more to the, to the story. And I think you're a, the perfect example of, yes, you probably did start eating better. And yes, you you started going to you know the gym. But can, what do you think was the biggest impact? I mean,
1: of course, I was eating horribly, but I was miserable all the time. I mean, it feels like we had a fight almost every weekend. It may have not been clockwork, but it was pretty cool. You know, it was... I never remember feeling safe at home. I couldn't really be myself. And you know what's really interesting is, so if you want to start on the very subtle end of the spectrum, even just something like masking, where you have to go to work and be your partial self or be someone who you're not really, or you're constantly dialing yourself back, or you know that you're not allowed to speak during meetings, or you know that if you bring up an idea, it's going to be belittled. You're constantly dialing yourself back and making yourself small that's where it starts. Yeah. You know, there's this really common belief that if I'm not getting my ass beat, nothing's wrong. If I'm not getting sexually harassed at work, I must be somewhere healthy. Yeah. Those things are not always true. And really the, your heart knows your body knows. And Mm -hmm. I know that for me, when I was in that situation, I mean, granted, I was eating like a total jerk, right? Like, you know, we ate out all the time. I drank soda all the time. I ate junk food all the time. And then I went full hardcore keto, like no carbs for like a, like a solid year. And then I think I transitioned to like the zone where you're doing like healthier carbs with protein. And then, and you know, now, I mean, I don't, I don't really diet anymore. And I'm kind of to the point where I kind of feel like if you're doing a protocol, you probably haven't healed yet. Yes. Yes. Oh and God, I try God. to be like the whole food yeah. diet. Like if I'm going to eat grains, I try to only do it once a week. You know, like if I'm gonna eat bread, like do it once a week. But even once a week, you're triggering your immune response and you're triggering the stress response in your body. So with the uh adverse childhood um, I don't remember what the E stands for, ACE study. Um, it's about things that uh ex- adverse childhood experience um, Why is my brain going blank? Adverse childhood experiences. That sounds right. (laughs) If you have anything negative happening in your childhood, whether it is neglect, physical abuse, sexual abuse, um, poverty, being made fun of at school, right? Like if you think about the kid that gets bullied, they don't get bullied one time. They're the target of everyone's bullying for, like you said, a season, right? Like until they grow out of being that kid. And so regardless of, of where your stress is coming from, if you have a certain, you know, and you can look up the ACE study and take it online. But the bottom line is if you've had even one thing happen, you're immediately at higher risk for diabetes and heart disease because cortisol all by itself increases your blood sugar. So every time you feel that rage and, you know, menopause, right? Like I always joke about (laughs) I jokingly call it the decade of rage. But if you think about (laughs) how angry we are during menopause and all of those heightened emotions, it totally makes sense why we get a belly pouch, right? Like literally cortisol can dissolve your thigh fat or your thigh muscle and turn it into belly fat. Like it, like it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And and it's it's crazy too, because we need cortisol. (laughs)
0: But so there's like the, it's the, we call it the Jacqueline Hyde of um, the stress hormone. So you, but you, I just want to jump back. You said the keyword, I think the keyword, you said you didn't feel safe, right? So when we don't feel safe, our body is in this, like, that's why we produce so much cortisol because it's like this, like, it's our protection it's like, you know, and years and years and years that start as a child, like you're saying, years and years and years and years of this like chronic state of feeling unsafe just creates havoc in our body. And, and I feel like, you know, a lot of people too say, oh, but I'm fine. I'm fine. Oh, there's nothing. There's there's, I'm not really stressed by anything. And I'm like, but yes, you are. <laughs>
1: so that's Especially why if you it. can't slow down, right? Like, I've known people who, like, I remember this one situation where I took uh, my first yoga class with someone. It was like a real class where you're learning yoga, not just going to a yoga class, right? Like, you're gotcha, learning gotcha. the fundamentals. And I think the third class, we're, you know, in child pose at the end where everybody is relaxed. And my friend started like shaking and crying. And I was like, what just happened? And she was like, I flashed back to this dream where I'm being like chased. I'm going to cry when I tell the story. Like she had this dream where she's being chased through a forest and she would have this repeating dream for years and years and years. She's like, when we were laying there, I dropped into the dream and I was able to look behind me. She's like, and it was me chasing myself.
0: Oh my gosh. Wow.
1: (laughs) Wow. Right. Like, and, and that's what happened when I wrote the books. I realized I had this moment of realization that I was giving so much energy to everybody else that I hadn't been feeding any of this energy to myself. And I had these two weeks off that I needed to take. Um, and one was in November and one was in December. And it, immediately when I took the weeks off, the energy hit me. And I was, I was literally like, you know how it is when you're in the flow state, like you're not even hungry because there's so much serotonin and dopamine and joy running through your body that you're literally just living on your creative energy. And I mean, I had like three to four days in a row where I was just, not hungry. like I would eat once a day, fast most of the day, just wanted to work on my project because I felt like I was just pouring this out of my heart. And what's really cool is... So my second book is literally... It's called You're Not Triggered, You're Dysregulated," And it's about managing the nervous system after stress. Because what happened was I hit a wall and I've never really found the right therapist. Occasionally, I've found somebody who's had some of the pieces... Um, So I decided to take a course on trauma and just learn about it. So I literally took a PhD level course, 100 hours, you know, it's being taught for therapists and I'm not a therapist and just learned as much as I could about what my body is doing. And one, I think one of the biggest things I learned is that, so a lot of people I think avoid getting any mental health, you know, help. One of the, the most interesting things about the DSM is that it literally uses correct functioning of the nervous system as descriptors to tell you that you're sick. Okay. Yeah. So being agitated, being angry, being sad, crying, all of those things, are you being dysregulated and there's signs that your nervous system is functioning properly and you just need to re-regulate. And so what's funny about cortisol is I know you have mostly a female audience who will appreciate this. So, um, I've always been pretty sexually open and I've never been super repressed about that part of my life. And I know a lot of people are uncomfortable about that. So I started, I bought this thing called Vessel. It's a little stick that you pee on and it tests your vitamins and your minerals and your cortisol and your hydration and a couple of other things. And I could not get my cortisol to drop. And you're supposed to take it when you've done no exercise and your heart rate is low. And right when you wake up, well, my personal habit is I like to have that in the morning before, right? When I wake up, right? Like that's just, my, and then trying to test it without doing that because I don't want my heart rate to be high. And so finally, this morning I was like, screw it. I'm just going to get that done. And then I'm going to go take the test. Well, there it was. My cortisol dropped completely. And I was like, oh, wow. Like they, you know. There it is. Right. Like, but the thing is, and, and another thing is I healed my back pain through doing joy and anger work. But the thing is, we are so resistant to joy, fun, pleasure, relaxing. Like we literally think that it's something that we have to earn instead right. that joy is supposed to be our natural state that you're allowed to take a break from your work day and go have a walk, enjoy the sun. Your inbox is still going to be full when you clock back in it was just, it was kind of funny to learn about like the, the cortisol release with the orgasm. But literally when I did all the research, nobody, even the trauma course that I took did not talk about sex or orgasm. And that's why it's part, you know, one of the chapters in the book of like, there's a whole chapter of dysregulation and regulation techniques um, that, you know, that help you to calm the nervous system. But I mean, I think a lot of people don't think about orgasm as a yeah. goal, but it's, you know, It's one of the best ways to de-stress. It is. And and regardless if you have a partner or not too, I mean, you know, most women would agree that like, you know, it's easier to give yourself an orgasm than to have one with a partner. Why are you ashamed about that? You know, go have as many as you need to. I mean, you know, for me, like the times I went through the most stress, especially grief or like, you know, I had this situation where a business partner stole a bunch of money and I lost a business and I almost lost my house. I mean, the number of times I would have to have an orgasm was like insane. And I felt so much shame and I knew nothing about this stuff back then. And then when I learned about it, I was like, oh my God, that's what you were doing. So much I was literally regulating my stress.
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I had so much shame around like, why was I doing that? I'm so embarrassed (laughs) like that. You know what I mean? But like some people like to go for a run. Some people like to. You know, dance. I mean, think about like if you think about a three-year-old having a tantrum, like the punching, kicking, any kind it of lateral movement, it does. Yeah. And it releases the the energetic release that you need. Yeah. That's just the emotion trapped in your body, really.
0: Yeah. No, I think that's amazing. Well, and I love that. So I'm excited. Accept- we'll definitely have to talk about your other book too, for sure. Yeah. Um, so Okay, so I'm going to bring you back here really quick. I wanted to. There was a couple notes I made that I just wanted to make sure we talked about. Um, I think that you maybe have already kind of mentioned it, but how in, in what you're talking about, you're talking about um, toxic people, not just spouses. So I want to make sure our listeners understand that. I mean, this like like you say it could be it could be your boss, it could be your sibling, it could be your parent, it could be like someone like your grandparent when you were young, it could be. Anybody, And I think that it was really funny because as I was reading it, I went into it. I mean, and I understand this, like I understand we have relationships all around us that can be toxic, but it hasn't been my focus really like thinking about it. So when I read your book, I went into it thinking, I'm just going to read this because I want to support you. And like, I want, you know, and but I ended up seeing how many um, toxic relationships I actually have. And it was amazing just your examples of things you like said. And like you you say in the book, she posts like bullet points of like, they may be toxic if they say these things or these things happen. And I, it was so helpful to me because I could see multiple situations where I was like, oh my gosh, like, and, and one of the parts you said... Have you ever, because she also has like a part where you can like journal, which I love. I love it being a workbook too, because you like, it's like, don't just read it. Like you put it into action, which I'm an action person. So I love that. But you, in one of them, I can't remember exactly what it said, but you said, has anyone ever said something to you that's held you back from doing what you want to do because they made you feel stupid or they belittled what you want to do? That's me most of my life. <laughs> From people that I love, and people that I'm sure. Um, I don't even well-meaning. know. Well-meaning, yeah. Are they well-meaning, or or do they even know I they're think, being?
1: I strong? think they are well-meaning. I don't think anybody does that intentionally. Okay, that's why I was wondering your opinion. You on know that. what I love about—I don't know if you're a fan of Brene Brown, but I love it when she goes through the Teddy Roosevelt quote. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, you're going to get mud on your face. You're going to fall. She's like, no, you're not hearing me. I didn't say you might fail. I said you will fail. Yeah. Right? And so I think that the people who care about us in our lives want to protect us from our own heartache and our own failure. I have failed at business before, and it is a heartbreak, but I still had the balls to go do it again.
0: And, and... I love failing because you learn so much. I didn't I didn't know that I love failing until that, you know, I started reading about, wait, failure is good because then you know what didn't work and then you can grow every time. And so now if you can just flip that thinking of like failure, but but you're right. I I think our family and friends don't want us to hurt. So they're like, don't do it. Don't do it. But really that's hurtful because then you get the message of like, you're too stupid to do that or you'll never be able to do it. You suck. Like that was the message. Internalizing
1: I was, like they don't believe that yeah. I can actually pull this off.
0: Yeah. And so that then did like that held me back a lot. I mean, many years. Like I, I wish I had started doing what I do way earlier and, and it is what it is now. Obviously all I can do is go forward, but, but I don't think I ever realized that was toxic. Like, and so when I finally did realize that, and actually I had kind of realized that earlier on, but this brought it kind of back to my awareness. Um, I want to share, though, that reading that made me realize that sometimes I'm the toxic one. (laughs) Oh, yes. And that bothered me. But then I was like, but I think that was amazing to learn because then being aware of what I'm doing. I I think it's
1: a good thing because I'm willing to change. Like I'm willing to like, well, and also I think like for me, one of the things I really had to learn is I, first of all, I'm definitely codependent, especially in the sense that I want to fix everybody else's problems except for my own. Everybody else's problems are always the the center stage. Yes. Which is I think true for most of us, right? Like we can always see what everybody else is doing wrong. Um, and so, yeah, for me, definitely the the attempts to correct what other people are doing. But for me, learning how to ask people if they want advice or waiting for them to ask me instead of just saying, do you want to know what I think? Because I always want to. Like, I, that's my, again, that's my codependency coming out. Like, I want to inject my opinion, even if you don't want it. hmm <laughs> mm-hmm. that's why I started a podcast so I could just say my opinion <laughs> same here honestly I figured the people that want to hear this will tune in and the people who are not interested don't need to like in that, exactly I agree with you. Like, like you have to find a place where you can comfortably and safely be right. you fully right totally yeah, and and I all. Think great.
0: <laughs> so I just I just I, I don't know I thought that was an important thing to point out because I think a lot of people just misunderstand what it means and to to ha- be in a toxic relationship and and how we can also be the toxic one and I and I think there is a difference between like trying to save somebody from hurting and then pushing the wrong way. So I have a I think 19- one really
1: good way to frame this is so you think about like the body positivity movement, right? Yes. Think about someone who doesn't have the perfect body and is brave enough to wear that gorgeous outfit, right? Yeah the toxic person is going to talk shit, right? Because they can't see themselves being brave enough to do that, to do that. Exactly. And same thing goes for your business, right? The toxic, you know, there, there's a very subtle difference between I'm just trying to make sure you don't get hurt versus I would never have the balls to do that. So I'm going to make sure that you don't.
0: Yeah. 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 Yeah, totally. So I'm curious your opinion on this. Um, I think um, if this goes the same route or not. So, my daughter is 19 and she's an amazing singer. She told me when she was like 15 that she wanted to go to Broadway. Like, she wants to be on Broadway, wants to Brad- Broadway. Well, me in my world had always been told, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. So, I thought I'm going to be completely opposite and I'm going to help this girl. In every manner, she absolutely can. We're going to get her to Broadway, right? So fast forward, she's trying, she's trying, she's trying, goes to college, doesn't work out, hates the school, decides to come home. And I've caught myself. I'm like, when are you going to join dance classes? When are you going to do this? Like you get a Broadway. And I'm like, now I'm on the other side. And so just recently, I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) I actually think I'm being toxic on the other side now. Now I'm almost being now maybe she doesn't even want to do that anymore. And I'm like, but you told me you have this goal. And I yes. feel like I see this to people, you know?
1: One so- of the markers of codependency is parents who live their dreams through their children and only find joy through what their children are doing. So like, I could definitely see this in my parents, right? Like, they both had, you know, media, you know, they, they've both done fine for what they've done, but right. they're not our generation, right? Like they didn't have the opportunities that we had. And so right. I definitely see them living vicariously through all of all three of our, our you know, all three of us kids. Right. Right. So I guess and that's it, what it is. You, yeah, know, well, it's like- you know, how cool though, that you have a daughter that age, because that age group is so different than us and millennials. I feel like both, both of the younger generations have shown us how not to be yeah, And oh, so wow. when she changes her mind, I'm sure there's going to come a point where she's just going to be like, mom, that's not my interest anymore. Yeah. And she probably got her heart broken a little bit because it wasn't the joyful experience that she wanted. But that doesn't mean that she's not going to take all of those parts of everything that she's learned and that piece of her into whatever comes next. Yeah, you're right. You're right. She so, might yeah. end up being a producer or a... You know, you just don't, you, we just don't know where our creativity is going to go, but I can understand that as a parent and I'm not a parent. Right. But I totally get it of how you might feel like, how can I fix this for her?
0: Yeah. Oh, totally. I'm like, oh, but she really wanted that. And I'm like, but wait, it's not my life to live. And so I've been really trying to like back up, but I, but I do feel like that could be a whole nother, you know, toxic trait. So, but you're right. This codependency thing, I think that in itself is an entire episode. The communication, you know, I love this when one. one person, when one is right, there's no room to learn. Like I love that too. You you put quoted that. So like talking to people and they know everything. And like no matter what you have to say. So I think that I see that a lot in people that I work with, you know, especially around like weight loss and everything. It's like, I had to be careful for a really long time because I lost my weight a certain way. And when I started seeing people wanted to do it a different way, I'm like, but why won't you just listen to me? Like I did it. I did it. You can do it this way. And I caught myself. So I've, I've learned a lot about myself through this, by the way, I caught my, you know, I had to like back up and be like, there's so many different ways to do this. And so I think as a coach, like that was huge for me to learn how to like, back up and, and look at it a different way. So I had to take, I went through several courses myself just to like be better at what I did and quit thinking I knew the only way, you know? So so when
1: someone is at the level where they're hiring a professional like you, they've already done, you know, they've tried 16 different things and they know 10 different sciences behind five different methods. And, Yes. It really can be information overload. And what I always end up going back to is like a whole food diet, grain free. Like if you can drop the grains, like, which is usually what's triggering the immune, you know, and you're going through immune stuff too. Right. So like, yeah, for me, like, gr- you know, grains, if it's causing a cortisol response, it's obviously causing an immune response and, you know, the aftermath of that.
0: Right. Right. So, right. So like, it's very, um, you know, there there's some some situations there, but I think what you meant, I didn't really mean to make it about my coaching, but, um, you know, it is true that if you aren't open to other, to different ideas, right. Then it's very hard for anybody to win. And so when you write about that though, in your book, what, what do you really mean? Um, you were talking about like well, you actually started the, the chapter with what you heard someone say it's not money, that's the root of all evil is the lack of communication, right?
1: <laughs> so
0: I love that. I'm like
1: Yeah, like it's not it's, money. You know, I don't know if you know the 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 Chinese proverb of like, you know, you can't fill a cup that's already full.
0: But oh, it right. goes to
1: that, right? Of like you when you think that you know it all, you literally shut yourself off to outside information. Right. Um and if you think that you're so right, that you can't learn from anybody, you're going to get stuck of wherever you left off learning.
0: Yeah. Wherever you
1: decided this is the whole truth and I've got all of it and I can stop now, then you're going to stay in that place. And I I don't know, personally, I've kind of felt like learning is a lifelong journey. I mean, we grew up without the internet and then we had Google. And we also grew up in like the encyclopedia era where we like, it was really hard to get information. And then it became really easy. And now there's this new generation that doesn't Google anything. Right. And no. our generation Googles everything. Like if you ask me something and I even think I'm a little bit wrong, like I'm going to go like read up and get my master's on it before we get on the call. Totally. Totally.
0: <laughs> no, I think that is so true, isn't it? Well, and I think, you know, like, I think this goes into like when you talk about like when people know everything and then I think this goes into like politics and I don't even ever talk about politics. And so that's kind of a funny thing for me because I just don't go there. I don't Um, (laughs) Because people know everything, right? On either side. And this is why we constantly have this like battle because people don't want to hear the other side. They already know. And so I think that that is just true in all relationships, all topics, all areas. So anyway, I just I just wanted to point out that chapter because I really enjoyed that as well. I think um you know, and you also in your question you said what are some toxic comments, right? From people so talking about communication. And my favorite one that my mother did all the time. Um and, and I loved my mother so much. She she passed away, but she when I think back, there was so much so much toxicity in there, and but her everything I had to say, I'd be like finally like open my heart. To something she'd be like, "Oh, Rayanne." It was always like, "Oh, Rayanne," like so ridiculous. Everything I said was so ridiculous and so over the top and drama, and like I was such a drama queen, you know. And that communication after a while, and I think a lot of people that I know that I work with have that like from their husbands, from their sisters, from their you know, and so then you stop communicating because then you're embarrassed and you
1: adopt their nasty comments. Like their little shitty voice lives right in your head. Yep. I literally still
0: occasionally I'll do something. And I'll be like, Oh, ran. <laughs> And I'm like, Oh, yeah. I don't have to say that to myself, <laughs> you know, or, or then we start to like, apologize for ourselves. Like, Oh, I know that this might sound stupid, but, or, you know, you, you know, like, preface like comments before you say it. And I have to really watch myself and stop that because I, I'm always waiting for the person to be like, Oh, like, you know what you're talking about? Or you're, what do you know about this? Or, and even like when I went into health coaching, you know, I had people say like, what do you know? You're a business, you're a
1: business um, degree. I'm like, yeah, but I didn't want to be <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I Well, learned. and if you, you know, once you've done it for yourself, you do know, and you do have do a know. level of experience you may not have had the same experience that everybody else had, but that's the thing, you know, like you said, when I took off my hundred pounds, I did it a certain way. And then I got stuck in thinking like, Oh, there's only one way to do it. And then you get a little bit older and a bunch more information. Like, no, there's like 16 ways to do it. Like, I just have to pick one and be consistent. Yes, exactly.
0: Exactly. So I think that that, um, yeah, you're right. You're right. Well, I think that we could probably talk for like four hours. (laughs) So, I just wanted to make sure you know some of the. I, I love a lot of what you have done in your book. I definitely you can find it on Amazon, right? That's where yes. I got it. Um, they might be toxic. A little book about toxic relationships, and I want to say one more thing that I think is important for everyone is you. I heard on your podcast, so the podcast is also great. I love your conversation. What is her name? Pilar. Yes, that's correct. Okay, I was like, for some reason, it doesn't sound right. Um. You said something about, I think it was in episode two, you said something about you were so proud that you actually, because even in your in your podcast, I'm going to call you out a little bit. You even kind of like say, you almost apologize a little bit that it's little, that's a little book. Not really, you know, you're trying to, right. you know. Yeah. And but then you said, but I don't even care because I did it. Like I, yes. I you old, you wouldn't have done it because you would have thought. It was not
1: right. I think you were talking Honestly, about- Honestly, like the biggest the biggest thing I got so hung up on is, so I've always known I was going to write some books. I didn't know what yet. I mean, I've written my most of my memoir, but I will not put it out until my parents are gone. It's just mm-hmm. like out of respect and they know what it's about. It's not like I'm hiding anything. But the point is, I think we have this picture of ourselves. And in my mind, it was either going to be my memoir, which is a very, like the stories will be very compelling because my life has been insane- or it was going to be this very heartwarming, you know, warm and fuzzy, spiritual thing, and it's not. It's my shadow work, which is embarrassing, yeah. right? Like, I, literally, I wrote it and then I sat with it, and I was like, "Is this what I want to be my brand?" And then I kind of had to recontextualize it. Of like, okay, if you know me in person, who am I? I'm the person who's always telling you you're in a toxic relationship. Like it is my brand. <laughs> it is. And so I just had to be like, "Okay, Maria, shut up. This is what the universe has delivered to you. Be mm-hmm. grateful. Go publish it. It's what you yeah. wanted." Yeah, and you know, who knows if it's going to go anywhere or not, but like the the few people who have gotten back to me, I know that you know, they've already gotten help from it, passed it on to multiple people. It's, you know, there's just so much information out there right now about narcissism and codependency Yeah, and the it's, people who need the information are never going to get to it because they don't think they're narcissists or codependents. Right. It's not for them.
0: Right. So that was great. I love that. I love how you, because this is just very easy, super easy to read. It's like you give some of your personal, but you really put out great examples and it really, I mean, it really was, comp- I loved it. I loved it. Thank you so much. Um, I can't wait to read your next one. Definitely. I think that would be a great one for this audience as well, for sure. When it comes to like cortisol and like just... Regulating your system, so it we'll definitely. Yeah, I'll to...
1: definitely drop you an email copy too. I can, I can send you one so you can read it. But and I haven't, I haven't uh, made the print copies yet. So the second oh, book okay. is only um, ebook or audible. It literally would take. I could probably do it today. I could take an hour and just get it done. I've just been kind of lazy. There's kind of that part of. It. I think like when you get something really big done, you just want to take a break, you know? And I'm just, like, oh, oh, yeah, like, you need. i do not a really want to mess with it right now. <laughs> yeah, it kind of feels like okay, I got it done, and I'm already working on a third book, but it's. Yeah. I mean, honestly, these two feel important because they really are not about like my own healing journey, but about like, here's a handbook. This takes less than an hour to read. You don't have to make a big investment of your time, but it can literally just get you to recognize the little things that could easily set you off course. Yeah, totally.
0: Well, I think it's great. And I wanted to just kind of end with, um, I don't know why I'm even looking for the quote because I say it all the time, but you quoted something at the, towards the end of the book about um, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. That's one of my, of my, favorite, my quotes. favorite quotes too. So I was like, I was like, Oh yes. And then the
1: other one is you don't have to believe everything. You yeah. Think. don't believe everything you think. Yeah. That is, and, um, I mean, uh, to me, honestly, like the number of times I've had to call myself out on my own BS I feel like that's one of the most powerful things that we can do is just taking responsibility for everything in our lives. Because every time you hit a wall, you have to stop and say literally everything in my life. I chose, I chose my partners. I chose my friends. I made my own financial decisions. I chose to stay at a place that wasn't good for me or in a relationship that wasn't good for like, yes, there are other contributing factors, but when you take responsibility for all of it, you're in control now.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love that reminds me of the quote, what you're not changing you're choosing. Yep. That's very true. You know, and it's so true. And I think, yeah, when you can finally just take total responsibility and that's, you know, I mean, that's a whole nother conversation talking about blaming and making excuses and there's all that's a whole nother thing. And I think that in no matter what area of your life, that's all could be true. So, um, yeah. So anyway, I enjoyed that you uh, put those quotes in there and you made them in Thank big you. letters. <laughs>
1: so yes. Yeah, like, yeah. I definitely. I love those quotes, especially the, yeah. you know, you can't change the people around you, but you can change the people around you. Like that's the core of codependency, right? Is like, instead of managing everybody else's life, yes. go be around some people that you don't feel like you need to manage. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> it really is true. It's so true. So yeah, true. Yeah, definitely. Well, I have a lot of people that I'm referring
1: you this book to. So. Thank you so much. And I very much appreciate here. it. Yeah. Well, Yeah, and, and if anybody of, wants free chapters, um there uh, is a free chapter from the Audible book that's on my YouTube channel.
0: And okay, the YouTube awesome. channel
1: is the same. They might be toxic. They might be toxic. Okay. okay. Excellent. So you have the podcast, the book, and the YouTube channel. Great. Yes, and the podcast and the book chapters are all on the same channel. Okay, great.
0: No, I think that's awesome. Good to know. Well, good. Well, thanks so much for for joining me today. And we'll definitely um, have another chat again sometime.
1: Yes, it was so, so good to catch up with you. Thank you. Thank
0: you for tuning into the Balanced Fit and Free podcast. I am so stoked that you are here. Be sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. If you want to continue the conversation or share your takeaways, I would love to hear from you. Head on over to my Instagram at RamFitLife or Facebook at Rayanne Mullins and comment on your favorite part of the show. See you next week.